John chapter 1 is where we will be this morning. Jesus tells Paul, in the midst of something so difficult, Paul prays three times for God to remove it away, and Jesus tells him, um, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I think that's an interesting that's an interesting statement because, well, we're very weak, aren't we? In fact, we're, we're incredibly weak. It's a, it's a dichotomy to me that Jesus could be a baby. Maybe it's because he's the sovereign God of the universe. And he takes a form that we know babies can't even control their movements. When babies are first born, they, they, they shake involuntarily. That's why we swaddle them up. So that they won't startle themselves awake when they should be sleeping, when they need to rest. We swaddle them so their arms are tight against their body so they don't flail around and wake themselves up and start screaming. They can't control their bladders. They can't hardly control much of anything. In fact, if you put anything, if you put a fingertip near their mouth, they start sucking. It's involuntary. They have, they have no control over what they do. So here is the sovereign, almighty, all-powerful God of the universe who can't even control his hands and his arms. It's a, it's a, it doesn't make sense. It's an enigma. It's a mystery. And it's what we celebrate on Christmas. Stand with me. Let's read John chapter 1. Maybe you've never thought of this in the Christmas sense. I want to take fresh eyes on this passage. John 1, we read verses 1 through 13 earlier. Let's continue in verses 14 through 18. This is God's word. If you let it, it will change your life. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Pray with me. Father, thank You for this great mystery. I don't think we'll ever fully understand it, but Father, help us pursue its significance. Be with us in this time. Drive Your Word deep into our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So here is this son of God who is wrapped up in swaddling cloths so he doesn't shake himself awake by involuntary arm motions. We often think about the baby at Christmas and sometimes we draw the connection that this is Jesus and this is, this is the son of God and, and, and we, we know that Jesus came to die on a cross for our sins and, and so this, this baby is just, it's a temporary thing, you know, that he's going to grow up. And in fact, 
The Bible, uh, three of the four Gospels, two of them don't even mention Jesus as a child. One of them mentions it briefly for a couple of chapters, but it's more focused on the fact that when this baby was born, all this other stuff was going on. And so, so you hardly get any notice. Luke is the only one that goes into any detail about the birth itself uh, other than just to say that he was born. But even that, by the end of the chapter, he's growing up. He's, he, he's just a kid for a chapter or two, and that's it, you know? It's a transitory thing. But yet it's an amazing thing because here we have the eternal God of the universe, and he's just born you don't get more humble than what Jesus got being a baby. And that phrase from John, the word became flesh, it kind of gets to the whole idea of what Christmas really is. You see, Christmas is just a recognition that God is present among us. On the back of your bulletin, I have blanks this morning. If you want to fill those in, that's the, that's the first sentence, I think, is, is that Christmas is a recognition that God is with us. God is present. He's not absent. He's not far. He's not aloof. He's not there, but not really there, you know? He's not present physically, but mentally off in la-la land. He's not there with you in spirit, but not really in person. God is present among his people. Think about that for a minute. In the wilderness, Moses and, and, and the people of Israel traveling from Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea. God displays his mighty power, rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt against the, the greatest army of that part of the world. And they get out of Egypt. They get across the Red Sea. God drowns Pharaoh's army in the sea behind them. And now they are going in the wilderness. And God is with His people leading them. Cloud by day. Fire by night. And when they stop to rest, His glory descends in their midst onto the temple. He's with his people. He's present. Do, do you not see that Christmas is not just about family and it's not just about being with the people you love and it's not just about the presence under the tree and it's not just about having a great time. It's not just about having good food with folks you haven't seen in a while. It's not just about those things. It's about God being present. We see it in the name given to him in Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah talks to Ahaz. Ahaz, king of Judah, is putting his trust in the king of Assyria instead of God. He's making treaties with a foreign land to, to protect himself and protect his people instead of trusting in the true God. And Isaiah comes to him and says, ask God for a sign. And Ahaz, all religious sauce, all the religiosity he can muster, says, I won't ask God for a sign because I'm not going to put God to the test. Dummy, God's telling you to ask for one. Can we do that sometimes? Act all religious, but avoid doing the religious thing. Pharisees did one time. Jesus says, you know, when you say that something is devoted to God, 
so you don't have to use it to take care of your aging parents that need your financial support. That's wickedness. When you tie the dill and the mint and the cumin and you ignore the weightier matters of the law, that's wickedness. See, we can pretend to be religious all we want. The fact is, true religion, true religion trusts God. And Ahaz, he has his excuse. He has his great sounding religious line, but it's not worth a flip because God's saying, you really need to trust in me. So God gives him a sign instead. Isaiah 7, 14. God speaks through his prophet. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. That's the second blank. Are you reading ahead? Did you look at my notes? God with us. His name. Now, now, is this a personal name? No, obviously he was named Jesus, not Emmanuel, okay? It's a title. It's a meaning. In fact, it's the sign that Ahaz really needs. You don't need the king of Assyria. You don't need to trust in men or in princes. Don't put your trust in them. They'll fail you. Trust in me because I'm with you. You don't have to have anybody else because I am enough. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Do you see a pattern that's forming in Scripture? That's what this baby is. That's what this Christmas is about. It's about God being with us, not being somewhere off doing something else, too busy to take care of your problems, too busy to look at your achievement, watch what you can do. No, God is with us. And it's his presence that is so powerful and makes Christmas what it really is. See, without his presence, all the presents don't mean anything, do they? And so we think about this idea in John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, if you were reading in the... Uh, Greek Septuagint um, in, in throughout the Old Testament, you would see a word come up. Shekinah. Y'all have heard Shekinah, right? Y'all know, know what Shekinah is. Shekinah is the glory of God. What's interesting here is this word dwelt is a different form of the same word that we get Shekinah from. It's literally, God became flesh and Shekinahed among us. God's Shekinah glory is the most visible in Jesus Christ, his son. Isaiah, this is how intense God's glory is. Isaiah gets caught up in a vision into the throne room of God. And in some passages say that the train of his robe filled the temple. That word train might not be train, though. It might be better described as him. Now, I look at my pants. I've got, I don't know, maybe half to three quarters of an inch of a hem. 
So, so think about the idea for just a second. It's not even the whole robe. It's like the bottom three quarters of an inch of God's pants. And there's so much glory there that Isaiah says, Woe is me! He is confronted with so much glory in the bottom three quarters of God's pants that all he can do is cry out, Have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. I'm a man of unclean lips. That's how much glory God has. It's so much glory that when Moses said, show me your glory, God said, I'll let you see my backside because you can't even look at my face. It's so much glory. And all that glory is condensed down into a baby that can't even control his arms. All that glory is condensed down into a little child and we think, we think the, of Jesus in these pictures that have like this glow around his head and like everybody can see it. But it's a, it's a glory that nobody even sees. It's a glory that's completely missed. Except for the angels declaring to the shepherds they'd have never known. Except for the star rising in the east those wise men would have never known. Except for uh, uh, the wise men coming and declaring to Herod what all they had found. He'd have never known. Except for God telling Joseph, hey, stick around. This is, this is of me. He'd have never known. Except for the angel speaking to Mary. She would have never known. You see, it's, it's God's glory, but it's so veiled that it's easy to miss. There's a couple things that God's presence does. One of them is that it reveals his glory. You see, you spend a little bit of time with that baby as he's growing up. You spend a little time with the 12-year-old Jesus in the temple. You spend a little time with the 30-year-old Jesus at a wedding party in Cana. You spend a little time with this Jesus as he's walking around. You, you get with him on a mountain while he's sermonizing. You get with him, uh, uh, walking with him as he's telling parables going through the wheat fields and he's talking about the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. And pretty soon you come to the same conclusion that Peter came to. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, at first, when I first met you, I didn't realize the fullness of who you are. But now that I know you, now that I've walked with you, now that I've heard you, now that I've experienced the Spirit of God that is on you, I know who you are. See, God's presence is what reveals His glory. God doesn't reveal His glory just by opening up the heavens and writing it across the sky. We sometimes wish God would do that, don't we? Sometimes we wish that God would just make it plain as day so even us dummies could get it. But the fact of the matter is that if you really want to see the glory of God, you need to be in His presence. And that's not just... That's not just reading a five-minute devotional, praying a quick prayer, and oh, I've done my thing for the day. That is a constant dwelling in the presence of God. If you want God's glory, there's no other way than to be in His presence because it's God's presence that reveals His glory. Go back to Exodus 33 and you see Moses as he's leading the people. He, he tells God, if you're not going to go with us, don't send us. We don't want to go. Now God had said earlier, the, the last chapter, they had built their idols. They had built their golden calf. And God says, I can't put up with this people. I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lead you anymore. An angel of mine is going to lead you. And, and the people in despair cried for God's mercy. Even God's representative wasn't good enough because they wanted him. If you're not going with us, God, if you're not going to lead us, if you're not going to be the one in front, if you're not going to be with us, then don't send us. We don't go. When's the last time that you prayed about a decision and said, God, if this isn't your choice, I don't want to do it. If you're not going with me to this school, if you're not going with me into this job, if you're not going with me to this church, if you're not going with me to this place that I'm going, I don't want to go. When's the last time we were that desperate to be in God's presence? That we're willing to, to completely change everything just to make sure we're with Him. See, God's glory, you're not going to find it outside of His presence. Then, then Moses says, show me your glory. God, I don't want to go if you're not leading. I, I don't want to go without you. So God, please show me your glory. And what does God do? This is Exodus 33, 18, where he says, show me your glory. Verse 19, God responds, I will make all my goodness pass before. What does he say? I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bring my goodness before you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious upon whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. I am going to intentionally hide from you what would destroy you that you may have enough of my glory. This is this isn't what Jesus did when he came as a human being is he translates God into something we can grasp. Not all of us can get, none of us can get the infinite nature of God. But we all, we all, we all have an understanding of a baby, don't we? We've held him in our arms. Or if you have, yes, you have. You held Brantley when you were like three, when Brantley was born. Now you had to have help, but you held him. Savannah's laughing. She's like, oh, we're talking about babies. She loves babies. Can I change your perspective on something? God's glory isn't just his power. God's goodness is his glory. Listen to verse 19 again. I will make all my goodness pass before. He says, show me your glory. I said, and God says, here's my goodness. God's goodness is his glory. His glory isn't just his power. It's not just his fame. It's not just his notoriety or his might. It's not just his smarts. Though he has all those things, trust me, and more than you can ever imagine. It's his goodness that's his glory. God's presence reveals his glory to us because it's when he's present that we see his goodness. God's presence also does something else to us. It also makes us holy. You see, God, God doesn't just show up just to be around. 
The other day I walked into work. It was a little slow when I walked in. I came in at like 7 o'clock. They told me that uh, the person that was doing biscuits said that uh, she had had like three orders for the 6 o'clock hour, like the hour before I got there. She'd only had like three orders. Sorry, Jim, I'm trying to knock over your drink down here. <laughs> so, naturally, it didn't stay that slow. <laughs> That's not how things work. Not at Chick-fil-A, at least. You know, maybe, maybe other places that they do, but uh, there we didn't stay that slow. But I kind of felt for a while like I was just hanging around. Like there was nothing for me to do. I was begging for stuff to do. And there wasn't much to do because nobody was busy. And, you know, it's, sometimes you'll get like one person's really busy and, and everyone else, might, or someone else might be kind of relaxed at the moment. They're not as busy. You know, no, no, everyone was, it was dead. I mean, we just, and so I just kind of felt like I was just hanging around there. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I really didn't have a purpose for being there. I could have clocked out and gone home. A little while later, a little while later though, it was busy and I had something to do. And there was a purpose for me being there. God isn't sitting here just to be here. He's not an extra body to have around just in case you need it. God isn't sitting here looking around saying, well, what do I do? Nothing's really going on. I guess I'll just sit here. Let's, let's chat up a little bit while we wait for customers to come. It's not, God doesn't do that. When God is present among his people, he is actively involved. And boy, I'm going to tell you, the process of making us holy is quite the ordeal for God. Okay? Just in case you forget, think about your children. And think about all the times that you wanted to take them and, and, and grab them by the ears and say, what are you thinking? And realize that you were the same way too. There are numerous times where we lose this process uh, mentality and, and we start to think why doesn't it happen right now God give me patience and giving now <laughs> right and that's that's how we approach things like it's just some kind of event like like it's just a flip of a switch in fact when we flip a switch the light doesn't come on we start flipping it a few times you know even if it's those gym lights that take a couple minutes to warm up we get impatient we want it now we have to have it now. And what we forget is that it's not something that happens now when it comes to holiness. Us being holy, us being sanctified is a process. It takes time. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And God sticks with it through all the effort. Because it's his presence that brings about that holiness. You can't, you're not going to be holy without God being near. If you want to be holy, if you want to be like him, you've got to be with him. You can't be like him if you're not around him. I think about certain shows. Um, you start to watch certain shows and um, if you're that vocal, talented type of person, you can start to emulate the voices of characters that, that are on those shows. You know? Perhaps you can, you can start making a voice that sounds like Elmo or Mickey Mouse or whatever you happen to be watching. You watch it enough, you can begin to emulate that. 
You hear a sound enough, you can begin to replicate that sound, right? It's the same way with holiness. If you're not around God, you're not hearing his voice, you're not going to be able to duplicate his voice. You're not around him, you're not seeing his character, you're not going to be able to duplicate his character. It's God's presence that makes us holy. Uh, John 1, 16 and 17, put it this way. For from his fullness, whose fullness? Jesus' fullness. Go back to verse 14. At the end of 14, he says that Christ is full of grace and truth. And now he says in 16, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. You see, we had grace before. But we need a lot more grace. And then we may have had the grace that brings us to faith in Christ, but we need grace to live today. Jesus doesn't tell us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, just because uh, um, it's a nice sounding thing. It's that we need bread every day, right? We need grace every day. Thank God his mercies are made new every morning. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure that uh, God spends extra grace on me. For the law was given through Moses. That's a grace. The fact that we can recognize our wrongs, the fact that we have a way to know what God's will is, is a grace. But we need more grace than just knowing what's wrong. We need grace to be able to do what's right. And so he says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, God's presence, God's active presence is what brings about our holiness. In Ezekiel 37, God says, my dwelling place will be with them. That's God's presence. Now watch what happens as a result. And I will be their God. God will be their God. You know, you know part of the problem with Israel, why they were in exile in the first place? Because they chase after other gods. God says, no more of that. I'm going to dwell among them. And when I'm dwelling with them, I'm going to be their God. But it's not like we own God. Like God's our personal property because he goes on to say, and they shall be my people. This is a reciprocating relationship where the people are loving God and God is loving the people. But there's more. Verse 28 of Ezekiel 37 says, Then the nations will know that I am the Lord. When I preached through Ezekiel, I called this, that sermon series that they may know because over and over and over again, he drives home this point that I'm doing this that they may know that I am the Lord. And God says, Because of my presence among my people, I will be their God. They will be my people. And everybody else is going to know that I'm their God and they're my people. Everybody else is going to know me because of my people. And the reason that they are the way they are is because I'm present with them. Do you see what's happening here? God is working his holiness in his people and he's doing it by being there on sight. He's not calling it in from some location far away. No, God is present and he's actively working. Not only that, I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel. Can, can, I, can I take out Israel for just a moment and, and be more general with it? Can I just say who sanctifies his people? 
Because I don't think this is just a promise for Israel. I think this is a promise for the true Israel. Those who put faith in the God of Abraham. You see, he is the one who sanctifies us. Isn't that good news? You don't have to make yourself holy. God will make you holy. Now, if we were just smart enough to listen to him and do what he says, it'd probably be a lot easier on God, wouldn't it? No matter. He, he can still work through us even when we're not willing. Just ask Pharaoh. Then the nations will know that I'm God who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst for a little while until I get tired of it. No, that's not what the verse says. It says forevermore. God will be with them. I'm not just coming for a visit. Some of us have family in town and family's going home. Some of us are going to someone's house maybe this week. We're going to Troy this afternoon. We're not staying in Troy. It's just for a little while. But God doesn't come for just a little while. He comes forever. That means that he's going to continue working in us, continue revealing his glory to us, continue producing holiness within us. And really, it's not just about God conforming our behavior. It's about God conforming our character because it's God's presence that produces God's character in us. See, that's really what he's after. That's, that's why Jesus comes. Jesus doesn't come just to get you to go to church on Sunday. Jesus doesn't come just to get you to stop saying those bad words you shouldn't say. Jesus doesn't come just so that you do the right things and don't do the wrong things. Jesus comes to produce godliness in you and me. The last point that I want to bring out, just very quickly, goes to John 1.18. He says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Do you know God's presence makes God known to us? We wouldn't know him otherwise. You see, if Jesus doesn't take on human flesh, if God does not become a human being, we would have never known God. Oh, sure, we would have had good prophecies in the Old Testament. Sure, we would have had good words from God that kind of guide our behavior. Sure, we would have had a general idea of who God is and what kinds of stuff he does. But, well, let me ask you this. Any of you read a magazine that features a story about a certain artist or a certain musician or a certain whoever, and they ask questions and interview them, and, and you kind of get to know a little bit about them in there? Now, how many of you can read a magazine article like that and then say, oh, yeah, I know that person well? You could think you do, right? But you don't really know them. Now, how do you get to know someone? You gotta be with them. You gotta walk with them, talk with them, eat with them, share life with them. You don't get to know someone through letters. You don't get to know someone through watching them on a television. You don't get to know someone by reading about them in a magazine. 
You get to know someone by living with them. How much more true of that is God? We cannot know God unless he reveals himself to us. But in Jesus Christ, he's revealed himself to us. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, truth. Christmas isn't just about a story of a baby being born, and it's not just about all the stuff we do around it. It's about recognizing that God is with us, and boy, does that make a difference. In fact, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Because God is with us. We get to know him. We see his glory. Because God is with us, we become holy. God produces his character within us. And because God is with us, we can have a living relationship with him. Not just an acquaintanceship, not just an apprenticeship, but genuine fellowship with God. That is what Christmas is all about. Pray with me. Oh, Father, you are so, so good. Your glory fills the heavens. And yet you condense that glory into, I don't know, seven, eight, nine pounds of baby. Couldn't even control his arms. And yet here is the Savior of the world. Father, would you, as you are with us, would you reveal your glory to us? Would you help us to see just how good you are? Would you make us holy? Would you transform our character to be like yours? Would you make yourself known to us through your son? That we may know you truly. Father, in this time, I know you're working in people's hearts. Your presence is in this room. I, I know it is. And because your presence is here, I know that even though we're weak, even though we're warned, some of us are sick, some of us are struggling, some of us are hurting. Father, we know that your strength is made perfect in our weakness, not because you've, you've sent us some help, but Father, because you're here with us. So you lead, because we don't want to go without you. We don't want to go about our lives without you. We don't want to, we don't want to go Shopping, working, studying. We don't want to travel down the road unless you're going with us. We don't want to make decisions unless you're going with us. We don't want to do anything without your presence. Father, would you lead? 
show us the way to go. Would you join us? No, better yet, would you let us join you as you're going? Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you sent your word as flesh to dwell among us. Father, may he be ever dwelling within us as, as we go, as we do, as we, as we speak, as we love. Be with us. You lead us in this time of invitation that we would follow you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.